You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. As we celebrate in this Christmas season, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, one of the benefits we discover is peace. God's peace available to us. Isn't that a great word, peace? Turn to your neighbor and say, the peace of Christ be with you. Go ahead and bless them this morning. And there's such comfort that comes with that word peace. And it's that that Jesus Christ came to bring. I think it's interesting that some 800 years before Christ was born, the prophet Isaiah made this statement about the coming of the Messiah, that he would be called the Prince of Peace. And when the angels brought the announcement to the shepherds that that the Messiah had been born, that Christ had been born, this is the announcement, or this is how they presented the announcement. They said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. So Jesus has come. That is a biblical fact. That's a historical fact. He came to bring peace. But we're we're still struggling with peace in our world. Much of world history is a story of conflict. I mean, our history really tells the story. Interesting, if you look back over 5,560 years of history, the history of the world, there have been over 18,000 conflicts and wars that we know about. And presently, as we gather here in worship this morning, there's 40 different conflicts and wars happening around the world. It's reality. What I know is that even though Jesus Christ came to bring peace, we're not very good at this thing called living peace. We're much better at feuding, fighting, and engaging in conflict. Yet Christ came to establish to make peace available to us. There's an interesting story that illustrates our struggle with peace. And as I read this, this is actually recorded in history Uh, It made me chuckle a bit to think, wow, how messed up we human beings can be. But this is a story out of history, mid-1850s. There was a war, three years of war, called the Crimean War. You can check this out. Do a little Google. Not now, but later. (laughs) Google the Crimean War, and what you'll discover is that it was a war that happened actually between the Russians and and the French, Other folks joined in. But here's how the war happened. The Catholics had placed a silver silver star over the birthplace of Jesus in the Church of Nativity in Bethlehem. Well, the Eastern Orthodox Christians also wanted to place a star. They wanted to remove the Catholic star. Now, these are Christians. They wanted to remove the Catholic star so they could put their own silver star. And the Catholics wanted nothing to do with it. And out of that... We have three years of war called the Crimean War. Amazing that the very place that Christ was born became the place that would, be, uh, that w- that would give way to this war, a place of conflict. Man, isn't that not interesting? But you know, not only is there the challenge of, of having peace in our nations, there's also the challenge of having peace in our relationships. And how we relate to one another. I would assume this morning in a gathering this large that there's probably a a few individuals here today who if you were honest you would say today you're not at peace with someone. Maybe it's your mate. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a, a, a peer at work. Maybe it's even someone in the church. 
Something happened, something went wrong, and today there's conflict. Today you're not at peace in a relationship. Not too long ago, a couple months ago, um, I'd got news that there was a family who chose to leave our Grace Covenant family, which is not unusual. Um, you know, for a number of reasons, at times people exit. And, and so I was making a call, just kind of doing the pastoral thing. I was making a call to this family to find out why they had left and to see if there was anything I could do to, to kind of help resolve the situation. As I was having a conversation with this family, what I came to discover is that they had a conflict. One family had a conflict with another family in the church. And rather than trying to resolve the situation to work toward peace, to work to reconcile, they chose to leave. It was actually easier to leave than it was to exert the energy to reconcile. Friends, can I tell you, that's not God's will and that's not God's way. Now that Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Listen, listen to what the, how this scripture reads. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. As Christ's followers, as those who have embraced the peace of Christ, and we're called to live a, a life of peace. You know, the reality is, there'll never be peace in our world until there's peace in the nations. And there will never be peace in our nation until there's peace in our cities. And there will never be peace in our cities until there's peace in our families. And there will never be peace in our families until the peace of Christ reigns in our hearts. It's the transformed heart. It's the transformed life. They can not only embrace the peace of Christ, but to live that out. Folks, the reason Jesus, the Son of God, came is that we might be saved and we might come to discover peace in our lives, and that we might be empowered then to live at peace with others. See, Jesus is peace, and He came to establish the way of peace, to empower us to live at peace. So the gift that we celebrate in this Christmas season is the fact that, that Jesus, the Son of God, was born in Bethlehem, just as the Scripture promised. And He came to bring for us peace. Well, this morning, I want us to look at a story in the Bible where the disciples found themselves in a, in a chaotic stress situation that robbed them of their peace. It was one of those terrific days when they'd just been hanging out with Jesus. Hanging out with Jesus, listening to Jesus teach. Um, and then all of a sudden, they find themselves in a situation that's out of their control. Um, and in that, their peace vanished. And so I want us to read their story because I think their story is a lot like our story. Their lives, a lot like what we experience in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 4. The Scripture's on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Listen to how the story goes. That day when evening came, He being Jesus, said to His disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. Notice verse 37. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So in other words, great day, wonderful day, hanging out with Jesus. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's a storm and the storm is about to sink the boat. 
Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, I know this might seem a bit odd for a text for the Christmas season, but again, I think this story is true of our lives. I think it's true of what Jesus provides for us being, being peace. Because our lives are a lot like the disciples here. And this is how it plays out in our lives. Let's say it's a you're having just an awesome day. Everything's going as you thought it would go. Life's great. You're loving life. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's a relational conflict. Maybe it's between you and your mate. Maybe it's between you and a co-worker. But all of a sudden, it catches you off guard. You're in a relational conflict and it has robbed you of peace. Out of nowhere. Here it comes. Relational conflict. Or, or maybe it looks something like this. Um, got a great job. Everything in work at your work's going well. So you think. Prospering. Pay's getting better. Bonus is good. One day you're at work. Knock at your door. The CEO comes in and says, Hey, we're, we're downsizing. You no longer have a job here. Uh, this will be your last day. Pack, pack your boxes and sorry it has to end this way. And you just bought a new car and a new boat and you're making payments. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's a storm. And that storm can rob you of your peace. Or maybe it looks like this. If you're a college student or a high school student, everything's great. You're loving school. Grades are okay. Depends on who you're talking to. If you're talking to your parents, they're great. If you're talking with your peers, they're not so good, right? But you go to your class. Going to be a great day, great class. Find your seat. Take your seat. The professor at the front of the room says, close your books. We're going to have a pop quiz. How many of you know peace is just gone, right? <laughs> or maybe it's something like this. Having a great day. Everything's wonderful. Life couldn't be better. Out of the blue, you get a phone call from a family member, and they tell you that your mom or your dad just had a massive heart attack, and they're no longer with us. Your peace is challenged. Hey folks, that's the reality of life. And the challenges of life. Like the disciples, here they are. Wonderful day, great day. Been hanging out with Jesus. He's been teaching. They've been learning. They've been watching the miracles. It's awesome. Couldn't get any better. They get in a boat and then there's a storm. They're afraid they're going to drown and their peace is gone. But notice what the disciples do. The scripture says, which I think is interesting, they go and wake Jesus up while he is taking a nap. Listen, that's why I take a nap every day. Jesus took a nap, right? Come on. 
If you're looking for a good excuse, there it is. You can connect it to the Word. When Jesus was taking a nap, the disciples wake Him up. And what do they do? Get this. They invited Jesus into their situation. And He rebuked the winds and He brought peace. He brought peace in the chaos of the moment. He brought peace in the place where they, where they were challenged. And listen, it's that, it's that same peace that Christ wants to bring for us. See, see peace, is not, peace is not the absence of storms or adversities. I mean, the reality of life is that life is full of challenges. Adversity. Remember, Jesus even said in, in John 16, 33, He says, in this world you will have trouble. In this world, you're going to have some adversity. So, peace is not the absence of adversity or challenges. Peace is this, friends. Peace is the presence of Jesus in the midst of the challenge. The good news for the disciples is they had Jesus in their boat. And it was that that brought peace for them. That's one of the great reasons we celebrate in the Christmas season we celebrate the fact that Jesus is peace. It, it, peace defines who Christ is. The very essence of who He is is peace. And He came to bring peace for us. Now, as we think of the peace that Christ brings, there's actually three types of peace that Christ brings us in this season. So let me talk with you about these three really quick. The first is this. Jesus brings or makes possible for us to have peace with God. Peace with God. There's a story of a, of a pastor who went to see a man who was very ill in the hospital. Like right at the end of his life. Like it could be anywhere the next day or so. Or even in the next few hours. This man was going to pass from this earth uh, on into eternity. And so the pastor goes to make the visit. And, and as he's visiting the man in the midst of their conversation, the pastor said, I gotta, Sir, I've got to ask you this question. He says, here it is. Are you at peace with God? The elderly gentleman in the bed says, Hey, I, I didn't know God and I had a quarrel about anything. You know, that's the challenge today. Is that oftentimes individuals don't realize that they have a quarrel with God. See, there's a mentality. There's a mentality that has deceived us in our culture today. And it's a mentality that says, I'm okay, you're okay. I'm okay, you're okay. So let's just, you know, they say, I mean, we have people celebrating the season, you know, the great joy of the season, and they don't know Jesus. What? They are deceived to think they're okay. Everything is good. Can I tell you, folks, not, everything's not good. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you, you are not at peace with God. I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting how strong the Scripture makes this statement. Both in the book of Romans and Ephesians, Paul says that, that, we were, that we're enemies of God. Before Christ, we were in conflict. We were enemies with God. Paul actually says it like this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, you were without hope, separated from God. See, friends, none of us were born good. You're not born good. Actually, you're born separated from God. You were you born with a sin problem. So you're not okay, and I'm not okay without the provision of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus come to do? He came to reconcile man to God. 
If you can think of it like this, the bridge of reconciliation, that we might be made right with God. That's why I love the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that reads like this, that God made him, being Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God or that we might be made right with God. Listen, the only way you can be made right with God to move from enemy of God to friend of God is through the provision of Jesus Christ. And if you've not embraced Christ as your Savior, then hear me, friend, you're not okay with God. You're not at peace with God. And that's the main reason Jesus Christ came. God so loved the world. What did He do? He sent His Son to die that we might live, that we might have peace with God. And once you embrace the peace with God, then you can begin to experience the peace of God. The peace of God. It's the second kind of peace that's available to us in the wonder of this season. And once you've made peace with God, you'll begin to experience the peace of God in your heart and in your mind. The more you pray, the less you'll panic. The more you worship, the less you'll worry. You'll feel, you'll feel more patient and less pressured. Why? It's the peace of God. Matter of fact, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah made this statement, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. This is how the Scripture reads. It says, You, being God, will keep in perfect peace. Perfect peace. Him whose mind is steadfast because He trusts in you. But there's a perfect peace that we find as we put our trust in God. So there's, there's the peace of God. Looking back to the story in Mark chapter 4, we have the disciples who were having, again, this wonderful day with Jesus when all of a sudden this storm hits. All of a sudden, they're caught off guard with a situation that's totally out of their control. And they thought the boat might be sunk. And in their panic, they invited Jesus into their situation. What did they experience? They experienced the peace of God in their situation. Listen, it's that very peace that's available for us. Just yesterday, I was talking with a a family, a part of our Grace Covenant family who had experienced the loss of a loved one. We've actually had, um, in the past couple of weeks, three family members, Grace Covenant family members who have passed. This coming week, we're going to have four funerals. Um, but as I was talking with this family, in the midst of their grief and their sorrow and their pain and their heartache, this is exactly what they said to me. They said, Pastor, we we can't explain to you the amazing peace that we have. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the heart, what, she said there's a peace that's sustaining us. What, what was she talking about? She's talking about the peace of God. Was there a storm? Absolutely. The death, the loss of a loved one's the storm. But in the storm, what? There's peace. But it's the peace of God. For those who put their trust in Christ. See, see the reality is, is there... There is the unexplainable stuff of life. Out, things out of your control. What it happens, like the disciples in the boat with the storm. But we can experience the peace of God as we do three things. Let me give these to you really quick. They're not in your note. But the first thing is this. You, you want to pray and not worry. How do you discover the peace of God? You pray rather than worry. 
Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with prayer, thanksgiving, present your request to God. And get this, the Scripture says, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Want to experience the peace of God? Here it is. Worry less and pray more. I think here's the second way we, we, we come to experience the peace of God is that we, we live confident of God's presence. Now Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says that God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. That means this. Whenever you hit a storm, Jesus is in your boat. Are you with me? Whatever you face... I mean, the Scripture says that God will never leave us or forsake us. How many of you know God's Word is true? So what does it mean? It means exactly what it says. He will never leave you and He'll never forsake you. So when you come to a storm that would threaten your peace, you can have the peace of God. Why? Because you know Jesus is in your boat. Come on. But the peace. The peace of God. Why? Because of the presence of God. And then I think thirdly, when we come to experience the, the peace of God, when we know, when we're confident that we have help. In other words, I'm not on my own. Listen, if I'm on my own, I'm panicking. If I'm on this platform today on my own, I'm panicking. Well, I'm not on my own. I have help. Psalm 46.1 says that God is a rock and a refuge and ever-present help in time of trouble. Listen, when I know that I have the help of God on my side, it, it brings peace. When I'm confident of that. Does it mean I have all the answers? I don't have all the answers. Does it mean I, I, I can solve every problem? Listen, there's a lot of problems I can't solve that I find myself in. But what? I'm at peace. Why? I know God's there to help me. Again, He's in my boat. He's in your boat. So we celebrate in this Christmas season... That we, that we can have peace with God through Christ. We can have the peace of God, but it doesn't stop there. Through Jesus, we can also live at peace with one another. Live at peace with one another. In other words, we have help. We have help that we can... That we can bring this peace into our relationship. See, once you've made peace with God and you begin to experience the peace of God in your heart, God wants you to experience the joy at being peace, being at peace with all people in your life. And He does this, pretty amazing, He does this by turning you into a peacemaker. He gives you the desire, the ability, and the power to reconcile with all people in your life with whom you've had conflicts. He's called you to be a peacemaker. Now, a couple of verses of Scripture that I think just really point this out. In Romans chapter 12, verse 18, listen to how the Scripture reads. It says, if, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, what? Live at peace with everyone. If it's possible. Now, you should do everything within your ability. What? To live at peace with everyone. That's what Paul's saying. And then if we look on to verse uh, chapter 14, verse 19, the Scripture says, Let us therefore make every effort, every effort. That means like, do everything you can. Make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. 
Hey, Jesus not only came to bring peace, He's now called us to live at peace with one another. Interesting, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus said these words. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God, the daughters of God, the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Notice, He didn't say, Blessed are the peace lovers. How many of you know everybody loves peace? He didn't say, Blessed are the peace lovers. Nor did He say, Blessed are the peaceable. Like those who just, you know, whatever happens, happens. They're just so passive in life. No. Listen, this is what Jesus said. Blessed are the peacemakers. And we're called, again, to be peacemakers, not troublemakers. In other words, Jesus is saying here, work for peace. Work for peace. So, so what does it mean to work for peace? Blessed are the peacemakers. Those working for peace. What does it mean to to, to work for peace? I think to work for peace means three things. First, we actively seek to end injustice. In other words, we stand up and we confront wrong. We speak the truth in love. We become a voice for the voiceless. Listen, it's not enough for you and I to enjoy peace. We're called to work for the peace of others. We become a voice to the voiceless. To work for peace means that, that, that we actively seek to end injustice in our world. But we all have a point of responsibility with that. I think to work for peace means this. You take the initiative in promoting reconciliation. In other words, if there's a problem, if there's a point of offense, if there's a conflict, you take responsibility. You act. You don't wait for someone else. You don't sit back and say, well, you know, it's really their fault. It's not my fault. And I don't want to do that. Listen, that's not what God's Word says. But we should be the first to make the phone call. We should be the first to write the letter. We should be first to create the email. We should be the first to have the conversation. Why? Because we're working for peace. We take responsibility. We, we initiate the process of reconciliation. And Jesus certainly draws emphasis to this in Matthew 5, verse 23 and 24, where He says this, If you come and worship, you come to the altar and worship, and you remember that you have something against a brother, or a brother has something against you, there's a point of offense, there's a conflict. Jesus said, leave your gift at the altar... Go and reconcile the relationship, then come back and worship. But the priority. So to work for peace means what? It means that we take the initiative to promote reconciliation. We work for peace. So let me ask you a question this morning, and this is really personal and this is really up close. But here's the question. Who might you need to have a conversation with today? Because you're, you're initiating reconciliation. That's what it means to work for peace. I think, thirdly, to work for peace means this. You offer forgiveness to those who hurt you. you know, many people are reluctant to reconcile strained relationships today because they don't understand the difference between forgiveness and trust. And hear me, there's a huge difference between forgiveness and trust. 
Forgiveness is to be instant and free. I mean, we offer it to others the very way that God offered, to, offered it to us. But we give grace. We give grace to others. We forgive so, so, so we can get on with our lives rather than getting stuck in the issues and the stuff of the past and there being bitterness and resentment. What we forgive. See, forgiveness takes care of, of the past. Trust is about the future. And trust has to be earned. Listen, you can reconcile without resolving. Reconciliation deals, it's, it's like burying the hatchet. Reconciliation brings us to where we can have conversation. I choose to forgive. Now, that doesn't always resolve the problem. Sometimes we still have to have some work on the problem. But we have to be willing to forgive to begin the process of reconciliation. That we can bring relationships together. Listen, working for peace is not always easy and it's not always fun. That's why a lot of folks avoid it. That's why people leave the church rather than having the conversation. Why? Because it's not always easy. And it's not always fun. But listen, it's always right. Let me tell you why it's always right. Because we're called to be peacemakers. As we have received the peace of Christ, now we're to live that out. And our relationships with one another. You know, in a world full of trouble and heartaches and unknowns, we can be at peace and we can work for peace because the Prince of Peace came from heaven to earth. He came so that we might be reconciled to God, that we might be at peace with God. Jesus came so that we might have the peace of God. As we're in the storms, as we're in the adversity, that we could be at peace. And Jesus came so that we might be empowered to live at peace with others. To restore broken, strained relationships. And the good news for all of us in this Christmas season is that Jesus came to bring peace for our lives. In this troubled world in which we live, we can find peace. Why? Because the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace became flesh. And dwelt among us. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank You today. That You loved us so much. That You made a way that we might be reconciled. You sent Your Son to die that we might live. For that we're grateful. Well, God, we're, we're grateful today for the peace of God. When we find ourselves in the storms and the things that catch us Kind of like out of, out of the blue. We didn't see it coming. All of a sudden, it's like we're, the boat's going to sink. God, I thank you for the peace that you bring in those times. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that as well. You've empowered us. You've enabled us to live at peace with others. Thank you for the wonder of this season and the peace Lord Jesus, that you came to bring. With every head bowed and every eye closed, three statements this morning. I want to ask you three questions. The first is this Are you at peace with God? Listen, this whole mentality of I'm okay, you're okay is not correct. Listen, unless you have embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not okay, friend. You're separated from God.
The only way you can be eternally okay is through the provision of Jesus Christ. Jesus came that we might be reconciled to God. That we might, ha- we might be in right relationship with God. So if you're here today and, and you would say, I've never made the decision to re- receive Christ as my Savior. I- I've never embraced that of the peace. The peace of Christ. So that I might be at peace with God. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Right now. If you're here and you say, I, I want to be at peace with God. I want to receive Christ as my Savior. Would you raise your hand really quick? Just hold it up high in the balcony on the main floor. Now I see a couple of three hands in the balcony, four hands on the main floor. See that hand? Anyone else? I want to be at peace with God. I want to embrace Christ as my Savior. For all of those who just raised your hand, I see another hand in the balcony. Would you just repeat this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, thank You for coming to our world. I recognize today my need for you. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and say, you forgive me of my sin. And today, I want to be at peace with God. Amen. Well, your heads are bowed. Here's the second question. We made three statements. Second question. Maybe you're in a storm right now. A bit like the disciples. A storm came out of nowhere and you feel like your boat is about to sink. It could be a relational storm, a financial storm. This is what it's doing right now. It's challenging your peace. You're stressed, you're anxious, you're panicked. Listen, there's a peace of God in that troubled time. You don't have to have a troubled heart. God is with you. God's for you. He's in your boat. But if you're in that place right now where you just say, wow, I need to experience the peace of God. Would you just raise your hand really quick? I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray this morning for my friends who have hands lifted. God, I don't know what their storm is. But Lord, what I do know is that storms come that can challenge our lives, that can rob us of peace. So Lord, I pray this morning that the peace of God, Lord, would be that that would would fill their hearts and minds. Lord, I pray that they would Lord, that they would know the reality, God, that you are in the boat with them. You're in that situation with them. And God, that they would be at, at peace, even in the storm, confident of your provision. Head still bowed. Here's the third question. If you're here today and you would be honest, honest enough to say that you're in conflict with someone. In other words, there's a, there's a relationship, there's someone that you're not at peace with. And you know from what we've talked about this morning, God's called you to be the peacemaker. Make every effort, that's what the scripture says, if at all possible with you. You're at conflict. You're in conflict with someone, and and, and you would just say, I, "I need help restoring. I need help reconciling that relationship." Would you just raise your hand really quick? I want to pray for you, Lord. I pray for the folks, Lord, who are here today who have a strained, broken relationship. 
Maybe it's family, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a peer, God, whoever it is. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would give them the courage to take the first step. Lord, I ask that you would give them the words to say. Lord, I ask that you would go before them and prepare the way. Lord, I know that reconciliation requires really two parties, not just one. But Lord, as they embrace the process, Lord, I, I just ask that you would bring them to a place at, of rest and peace in that relationship. God, that you would restore that which is strained and broken. Bring your peace, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.